Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. The Law Enforcement Today Show is brought to you in part by Transformations Treatment Center. Many are using the term epidemic to describe the current problem of drug and or alcohol abuse in the United States. Virtually everyone we know has been negatively impacted by this problem. Yet for so many that are experiencing the devastating effects of drug and or alcohol abuse, they don't know who to turn to for help. Who can we trust to care for our loved ones? Transformations Treatment Center is one of the most respected, ethical, and professional drug and alcohol treatment centers in the world with a strong focus on individualized care, offering a wide range of holistic, specialized, and medically supervised treatment programs. We know that many of you have questions. Take the time to call Transformations Treatment Center for the answers. 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Or go online to transformationstreatment.center. Calling us from the Colorado area, we have Patrick Fitzgibbons on the phone. Patrick is a retired police officer from an agency in the Boulder, Colorado area. He's also a podcaster, and he's pretty big in a lot of different worlds. I'll let him tell you more about that. Patrick, thanks for being a guest on the show. Very much appreciated. Hey, Jay, brother. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to have you on. Patrick and I have talked off and on, mostly by email for the past couple of years. By the way, Patrick's podcast is called CJ Evolution, Criminal Justice Evolution, CJ Evolution. You can find it by doing a Google search for CJ Evolution. You can Google search Patrick Fitzgibbons. He's also written many articles for law enforcement today. And it's on our podcast network. Just go to letradioshow.com, the Be Heard tab. LET Podcast Network, and you see CJ Evolution there. You're a busy guy. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. I have time for sleep every once in a while. I've had so many guests on, and look, I'm amazed at the things a lot of these retired police can do. They're authors, they're speakers, they have websites, they have podcasts, they have all sorts of things. I understand why they do it. I find it difficult to find enough time of the day to get everything done. I have to get done. How do you manage? Well, I have a plan, Jay. I mean, like most successful people, I mean, I have a, I have a plan that I go throughout the day. I, I plan my day, you know, the night before, and I know what I'm going to do. I mean, I have, I'm very meticulous with my time, and, um, you know, I map it all out, quite simply. And I found, of all the things that I can replace in life, the one thing it cannot replace is time. And the older I get, the more I value it. <laughs> yeah, true. There's an old saying, life is like a roll of toilet paper. The closer to the end you get, the faster it goes. I like that, Jay. Yeah. I have to remember that all the time. So your, your podcast, CJ Evolution, what are some of the things you talk about on that? Well, I mean, I talk about officer resiliency. Uh, I've been blessed to have it for about four years now, Jay. And uh, I have officers that talk about, you know, rough things they've gone through on the job. I talk about nutrition. I talk about mental wellness. I talk about, you know, all the things that uh, keep officers positive and motivated to go out there and do the job every day. I don't I don't like focusing on doom and gloom topics, although that's part of the job. 
but I like to focus on the good and the positive uh, in the profession. It is so important, not just for our law enforcement officers, but other first responders. They suffer from the same sort of things. Firefighters, EMTs. Oh, my God. The EMTs never get a break from it. Uh, Dispatchers, uh, corrections officers, military veterans uh, as well. That's a big segment of population. And it's so important, I believe, for our community. And here's the reason why. It's very selfish. If I have a medical emergency in my house or any kind of emergency, I'd dial 911, which is a luxury a lot of countries don't have. I'm going to get some help there. And more than likely, it's going to be a law enforcement officer first. I want that person to be on their A game. I don't want some second stringer. I don't want someone who is ready to pop coming to my house when we have a problem. Absolutely, Jay. And we've both been in the field for a long time. And we see that on we've seen that on the job where officers are stressed. You know, it's a stressful job anyway, but, you know, they come to work stressed that maybe they got an argument with the wife or they're having, uh, you know, relationship issues, money issues, all that stuff. You know, and they bring it to the job. And I agree with you 100%. I want somebody that's mentally there that is, you're working through their problems. We all have problems. Uh, but I want something that's somebody that's mentally there that's going to help me with my problems, you know, as a civilian. So, absolutely well said. You were in a command position, supervisor position when you retired? Yes, sir, I was. And I, I retired as a sergeant. And, you know, it's one of the best things that are happening, Patrick, and one of the worst because, and a lot of people don't get this. I jokingly say, you look at any major police department across the United States, it's run by their sergeants. They're the ones who make things happen. When I say make things happen, you got to balance the scales between looking out for your people, making sure they're okay, they get what they need, they're all right physically and mentally, and making sure they do the job the right way all the time. And it can be difficult. The higher up in rank you go, the more... I'll be honest with you, the more animosity I had towards those people, it seemed to me as if they forgot what it's like to be on the streets. Absolutely. Great point. And you made a really good point that I just want to hear again, Jay, is the sergeants. And I don't I don't care what agency. The sergeants are pivotal. They are so critical. Everybody's important in an agency. But, I, you know, the sergeants in my agency reported to me, and I was constantly, every day, checking in on them. What do you need from me? How can I make your life better? Because they're the ones mentoring the young officers. They're the ones guiding the young officers. They are in such a critical role. Again, everybody's important in an agency, but those first-line supervisors, corporals, sergeants, very, very important to an organization. And it's, it's a checks and balances thing, again. I've told commissioners and chiefs this, if you put all of your attention on making sure the community and the civilians and the people you serve are happy and satisfied and don't take care of your own people, you've got it out of balance. And if you got the other way around where your focus is solely on protect the troops and to heck with everybody else, you've got it out of balance. Absolutely. And one of the things I saw in a couple organizations I was with, Jay, is that the command staff, not all the times, but sometimes they get out of touch. They lead from a chair. You know, they're behind the desk. They're not out there talking to the troops. I made it a habit, a goal of every day attending the briefings, going out there, being on the street, not all the times, but checking in with the officers. And I think that's huge. Officers want to see their command staff more involved. And I made it a habit of doing that almost every day. Uh, before I left. It was a, a mighty nice thing, a mi- nice experience when you've had a rare occasions in Baltimore, we'd have the duty officer, high-ranking officers always working and they'd show up sometimes when you had a hot call as a backup and every now and then the police commissioner himself would show up at a, at a hot call as backup. Wasn't often and, and it certainly wasn't something that you 
became used to, but it was a bit unnerving at first. It's like, oh, are they checking up on me? Or are they making sure that we're doing the job okay? They're ready to throw me to IID? Or are they there to help? And most often, because everybody did a good job, the best they could, they were there to help. Yeah, and that's the one thing that's kind of a misnomer when anybody with some rank shows up, you know, absent the sergeant, obviously, but even the sergeant sometimes, you know, officers are often, what, you know, what did I do wrong? And when I was a street supervisor, you know, I would just show up just at, okay, I trust you guys. I mean, I just, I'm here to help. If you need me for anything, I'm here. Now, with newer officers, Jay, you know, you're going to be more hands-on as a street supervisor, but just because supervisors show up doesn't mean, you know, that they're there to micromanage or, you know, some agencies, you know, you have supervisors like that, unfortunately, but more than likely, they're just there to help and, you know, and guide and mentor wherever they can. I know that a big part of what you do with CJ Evolution, your podcast, is try to get the truth out there. I personally believe we've relied on the news media and others to tell our stories for too long, and they've done a horrible job before, and now it's just so clearly biased. Have you found that to be the case? Absolutely. You know, I remember when I was a young uh, young man, you'd turn on the news and you'd get Walter Cronkite or some other, you know, media person, and, you know, they didn't have any direction. You know, they weren't trying to sway you either way, Jay. You know what I'm talking about. And now, you know, whatever you want to listen to, it's tailored to what you want to hear. But, yeah, absolutely. You know, it, the mainstream media, I think, is so, you know, biased towards police officers. It really is uh, sad. Catch all the episodes of Law Enforcement Today show as a podcast for free. Do a Google search for Law Enforcement Today podcast or just go to letradioshow.com, click the Be Heard tab, and you'll find us right there. We're going to take a short break. We're talking with Patrick Fitzgibbons. He's a retired law enforcement officer, also a podcaster, and much, much more. This is Law Enforcement Today show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Are you wondering where you can find more great podcasts? Head to letradioshow.com, click Be Heard, and discover other fantastic podcasts like this one. Also available on our free app, all at letradioshow.com. Are you buried in credit card debt or student loan debt? Learn how to reduce your debt to a fraction of what you owe. Call now for free advice, 800-709-4389. 800-709-4389. That's 800-709-4389. This portion of the show brought to you by Mr. James Mather of Synergy Financial. Are you looking for ways to increase your financial stability in future? If you're interested in earning more and working with families to help protect their income and future, head to MrJamesMather.com. That's spelled M-R-J-A-M-E-S-M-A-T-H-E-R.com. Again, get free information about this great opportunity at MrJamesMather.com. Return conversation with Patrick Fitzgibbons. He is a retired law enforcement officer from the Colorado area. He's also a podcaster. He has a CJ Evolution podcast. That's CJ as in criminal justice evolution. You can do a Google search for CJ Evolution. You can find it at letradioshow.com, the Be Heard tab, LET Podcast Network. It is right there. Patrick, bird's eye view start to finish. Tell us about your law enforcement career. Well, I started like uh, a lot of uh, law enforcement uh, officers start out, Jay, in the military. Uh, I came from a military family. My father was in the military. I knew I wanted to join the military, so I did it. Albeit at a later age, I joined when I was 21. I was the old guy uh, among a, a lot of teenagers. But I served with the 82nd Airborne down at Fort Bragg, jumping out of perfectly good airplanes. And I knew when I got out of the military, I wanted to pursue a career 
uh, in law enforcement. That's kind of a natural progression for a lot of officers. So I worked at a couple agencies during my career, one in southeastern Colorado and one on the front range of Colorado. And like I said, I retired in 2019 as a commander. The commander in that agency, is that the equivalent of like a lieutenant or captain or what? Well, it's probably on the same level as a captain. I know you know, Jay, that there's different structures and different agencies that have different structures. But I was the third in line. I was the third down from the chief position. Gotcha. So it's pretty high up. And by the way, the people, I, I think the media is to blame for this. They use a term paramilitary as if it's an insult a param- police departments have been paramilitary for as long as i can remember they've got a military structure they have um chain of command they have all the things that are good about military but a civilian aspect and you are absolutely right a lot of our law enforcement officers are are military veterans yeah absolutely they're used to that discipline they're used to that chain of command they're used to the you know taking orders and doing what they're told to do and i i crave that you know when i get out of the military and you know, I have a family that's a lot of family members that are in law enforcement, so I just naturally gravitated towards the profession. I'm going to give you a hint how old I am. When I started as a rookie in the Baltimore Police Department, a lot of the men who trained me, and when I say men, they were primarily male, but we had men and women. Uh, I use the term guys. It covers everybody in my book. But they were <laughs> Vietnam combat veterans and we actually had a few commanders captains and above who were korean war veterans and they were exceptional police they were really good they understood balancing that chain of command and also taking care of the needs of the civilian population and knowing the people on your post they were great at it yeah absolutely i mean they just came from that era and i'm not kind of knocking the current generations but yeah, they just came from that era where they did what they were told. They learned how to you know, listen to people. They worked hard. So that's good to have that uh, in your career, Jay. There were some great people. And that's another thing you brought up. I'm glad you brought that point. A lot of people love to knock on the Gen Xers, the millennials, and then they, they, they use terms like snowflake. I started to fall into that trap a long time ago, and I got out of it. And the reason why is look at who our, our military veterans are. Look at the age group of our special forces. They're all these Gen Xers and millennials, and they are our law enforcement officers, our firefighters, our corrections officers, and they're doing a tough job under really tough circumstances, and they do it relatively without complaint. Now, I get that there are some differences, but it's not all negative. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting you just said that, Jay, because I was heading down that road, too, with my attitude when I was still on the job with these young officers until I tried. You know, I, one day I remember I was having a conversation with a younger officer and he was telling me about some ideas he had for traffic enforcement. And I was like, oh, my God, that's a great idea. So that's when I began to turn it around. And whether people like to realize it or not, there's millions and millions of millennials, quote, in the workforce right now. And most of them are doing a great job. Yeah, they are. There's some physically and mentally tough people. For every example you can come up with that people love to throw out there, the the guy eating Hot Pockets in his mom's basement playing (laughs) Nintendo or whatever they play nowadays, I can show you three or four that are the exact opposite, that are tough, no nonsense, they get the job done kind of people. Well, look, every generation makes fun of a previous generation. I mean, that's just how it is. I remember my father, who was a baby boomer, you know, used to make fun of, you know, my generation. So it's just it's just natural. But I think, the, like to your point, Jay, the, the young people, the Gen Xers, the millennials, they have so much to offer the country and the world. And part of what reason I'm bringing this up is 
you know, everything I learned about policing, in the academy, you learned a lot. I thought I knew a lot when I hit the streets. Turns out I knew very little. I knew book stuff, I knew all the law stuff. As far as the practical application goes, it was the old timers who taught me. And that's something that needs to be carried down. And so many of our experienced officers, five years plus on a job, are leaving and are leaving in droves. People who have 20 years on, 25 years on, are retiring the first chance they get because they just don't want to go through it anymore. Are you finding that to be the case of people you talk to? Oh, absolutely, Jay. I mean, we, we probably talked to some of the same people, and most of my friends that are still on the job are looking for an exit ramp. And that's to your, to your point. That's going to create, it is creating a huge experience void and vacuum within a lot of agencies, mainly because of the environment we're living in right now. So it's going to be a challenge. Uh, attrition rates are through the roof. Uh, we, when I was still on the job, I don't know how it was in your former agency, we had a hard time you know, before all this stuff happened in the news and these incidents in the world, we had a hard time recruiting. Now it's even more difficult. So it's going to be a challenge in the future. We had the same difficulties back in the 80s. Baltimore was recruiting people from all over. I came mm-hmm. from Southern Maryland. I worked with guys from Ohio, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania. They, they came from absolutely everywhere. I had a guest on the show recently. Uh, he's a sheriff of a department in, in Maryland. And he said the average cost for them to recruit train and get a deputy on the street is about $63,000 now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an incredible expense, I know, because I've been on that end uh, of a department looking at the numbers. And so that's why it's so important that we have good leaders in departments that are taking care of their people. Uh, you and I know, uh, Jay, and you've probably seen that there's bad leaders out there that are heading organizations, and we need to do what we can to keep those brave men and women who protect us every day. Uh, taking care of an organization. It's a tough job. But when you have an organization that is riddled with bad leadership, it makes it that much tougher. And I think that's another part why people are leaving. One of the things that I'm very concerned about as a civilian, as retired police, is this current anti-police climate that is so permeating our society. And just a refresher for people, because we don't have civics in a lot of classes anymore. Our police departments, the exception of the ones that are run by sheriffs, they're elected, are run by the mayors and governors of their states and counties and cities. They appoint the police chief, who in turn appoints the command staff and gives the marching orders, comes from City Hall. And the legislators write all these laws, and then when they have these laws enforced by our police and things don't go well and people rebel and object, they blame it on the police. Is that an accurate way of explaining the situation? Oh, absolutely, Jay. I mean, look what's happening in Portland. Look what's happening in Chicago. Look what's happening in other uh, places now in, in, in Wisconsin. So, it, yeah, I mean, we have the, the police hamstring by politicians, and they're so afraid of, of the politicians are so afraid of making somebody one group or another group unhappy, and it's really hindering. Uh, the job of the brave men and women who protect us. We're going to talk with more Patrick Fitzgibbons about his career in law enforcement and how it drives what he does today. This is the Law Enforcement Today show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Finally, our heroes have access to a world-class program for PTSD, anxiety, depression, and more. The Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for substance abuse, addiction, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Plus, they offer complete treatment for mental health issues for those without substance abuse problems. 
In addition to multiple rehabilitation and holistic treatments for all those suffering from substance abuse problems, the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformation Treatment Center is a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program where law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the separate and highly specialized treatment they need. Got questions? They have the answers at the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at helpforourheroes.com. Ever find yourself in a situation where you can't listen to the whole Law Enforcement Today show? Never fear. Past episodes are available online as a podcast, and you can listen for free. That's right. The Law Enforcement Today podcast is free. Do a Google search for Law Enforcement Today podcast, or simply go to letradioshow.com and click the Be Heard tab. Turn conversation with Patrick Fitzgibbons. Patrick is a retired police commander uh, from Colorado. He's also a podcaster. He has a great podcast called the CJ Evolution Podcast. You can find it at letradioshow.com. The Be Heard tab, look for LET Podcast Network. It's there. Also do a Google search for CJ Evolution Podcast. And I tell people this all the time before we start the show. If there's ever a question I bring up that you can't talk about, Patrick, it makes you uncomfortable, whatever it might be, just say so. There are certain things in my career, even all these years later, I still don't like talking about, especially people I don't know. Yeah, and that's a good point, Jay, and I know a lot of people like that. But for me, I mean, I'm an open book, and I find for me it helps me get past some of the things I've experienced and dealt with over the years. So the more I talk about it is what I'm saying, the better off I feel. We all go through the traumas of law enforcement. I used to think when I was a city police that the the, the guys, that's men and women, in the counties and more rural agencies had it easier. And I didn't realize at the time that there was a whole lot less of them backup was a lot further away and they had to handle everything so they had their own tasks but everybody's been in law enforcement for a period of time gets exposed to so much violence and trauma it's inescapable and it changes you yeah absolutely i mean anybody who's been doing this job for any period of time uh, knows that you're going to deal with trauma you're going to deal with death you're going to deal with violence and that's just part of the job and you know i think you and i have probably dealt with our fill jay Worst situation you've been in in your career? Can you talk about it? You know, I remember one in particular, Jay, that still kind of haunts me today. I mean, I, I've talked to, you know, been through counseling, but I remember that uh, I was uh, a detective. I was a young detective at the time, and my former, not the agency I left, but the one before that. And I remember I was asked to cover the street as a supervisor one day. And I said, absolutely, I'll go in there and help the, you know, the street officers. So the first call out of the gate, I remember it was a call of a bus that apparently almost hit uh, a young child when they were uh, walking across the street, you know, when school dismissed. So I get on scene, and when I got on scene, it was just mass chaos. Uh, What actually happened was the bus actually hit this young child as the mother of the young child was calling to her son from the other side of the street. And what happened, Jay, is the bus driver was looking in the opposite direction. The kid didn't uh, wasn't uh, didn't see the bus and the bus ran over the child and at that point um, you know I mean obviously you have to manage the scene and manage all the uh, people in the scene but I had small children at the time and that really really bothered me for a long time I remember getting off work and I had you know I had, the first thing I did is went home and cried you know in my kids room 
uh, and woke them up and just hugged them. And, uh, and for many years, I didn't tell them what had happened. But that really affected me for a long time. I think that becomes part of a fabric of who we are after a while. Yeah. Uh, I, I went through one similar, and it was a, a young girl trying to catch the school bus, and she tripped and fell in front of the, the back tires of the, the big city bus, and of course it killed her. And it was, until you brought that up, I conveniently kind of stuffed that in a way somewhere in my memory bank so I don't have to deal with it. And the older I get, I tell people it's like my mind becomes filled up with stuff. So a lot of this really traumatic stuff gets hidden away and then all of a sudden pops out of nowhere. Yeah, and the thing that really uh, kind of affected me, Jay, is, you know, obviously we didn't have the resources, at least where I was at at the time. You know, we didn't have debriefs and stuff like that. It was, okay, you know, handle the scene, go do your report, get back on the street. That's just how it was, you know, back in the day, at least where I was at. I imagine it was probably like that for you. Now we have a lot more resources for officers. But to your point, you know, uh, I'm a very busy man, just like you. But when times at night where I'm alone, this is the stuff that I, I think about sometimes. Not as bad, and I've into a lot of counseling and, and talk to a lot of people, but it, I still think about it every once in a while. It still affects me. I'm glad you brought that up because I did the counseling too for years. And without getting into the, the poor me sob story, and I tell people this all the time, and I've had many guests here say, we laugh about it quite often, say, I'm broken goods, and I'm okay with that. I am totally all right with where I'm at, and it's understandable. I've given up the fight. Doesn't mean... I don't try to get better. I did the counseling. I did everything else because the consequences were to have a horrible life. And my marriage fell apart. I didn't want to be the guy who died very young and who drank himself to death. I didn't want to be that guy. And there are plenty in police work to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Sooner or later, this this stuff is going to come to the surface. And I don't mean to mitigate it by calling it stuff. Those emotions, what you've seen, it's going to come sooner or later. And I'm, I'm with you. I'd rather talk about it to make myself better because that's the whole purpose is we want to leave, especially after having a, a law enforcement career, seeing a lot of stuff. You want to lead a better life now in the second chapter of your life. And I knew that I needed to get help because it was really affecting, affecting me. Uh, my, I got divorced after 20 years. That was part of it and how I was internalizing everything. So for the people out there listening, it's, it's going to come to the surface at some point, one way or another. What can people who aren't police or aren't in the industry, or maybe they're a spouse, what can they do different to help? Well, I I think a lot of time it's just listening, you know, listening to the spouse, listening to the partner, let them talk, just let them get it off their chest. That was how it was for me. I mean, just a good listener is probably the, the best thing at first. And then encouraging people to get help. Look, Jay, we live in an amazing world right now with all the resources out there, I'm not saying everything on the internet is, is you know, good or it's, you, it should be vetted first, but we have so much information out there. So there really is no reason that people shouldn't get help now. But I would say as a partner and a spouse, just listen to your spouse and listen to your partner. For many years, I would internalize, I would come home, I wouldn't talk about things with my wife. I don't know if you were like that. And that just came to the surface. So I would encourage people to, to seek out help and just find a good listener to begin with. By the way, if for someone who has questions and concerns about, just say, post-traumatic stress disorder or related issues, we made it real easy to get more information. Just go to the Law Enforcement Today Radio Show Facebook page, send message, or say, get started. Once you get through the menu, just type in PTSD or type in Help for Heroes. You'll get some information. It's all pre-programmed in there. And, and by the way, there's so many great, great tools that are available nowadays that weren't available in, in 2000 or the 90s or the 80s 
Yeah, absolutely. We just live in an amazing time right now with the information and the resources out there, Jay. So that's a good, um, good thing. And by the way, you got lots of great podcasters as well. I read a great article the other day, Patrick. Uh, being a podcaster, I think you'll appreciate this. It said that more Americans now trust podcasters to deliver accurate information, and particularly about COVID-19, than they do the mainstream news media. Doesn't surprise me, given what's going on a lot of times in the mainstream media. You bring up uh, COVID nineteen; it seems like it changes every day. I know that uh, medical personnel haven't seen this before, but it seems like every other day they're changing their tune on things. And I think that in the policing world, people can't get good, accurate information. And when they have the ability to, they have the availability of great podcasts like yours. Uh, like mine, like others, where they can hear right from the horse's mouth from their experience. Uh, Are you finding that people are relating and believing more of what they hear on your show, or are they using a term that I hear so often, copaganda? No, look, Jay, you and I have been through it. You know, I've not only uh, walked to walk, but I talk to talk. I'm not going to talk about something that I haven't been through personally because I don't have the experience. And that's where I think the credibility with people like you and me and other law enforcement retired cops that are having shows i think it really is really great because it brings credibility we've been through it it's not propaganda look i've I've been through uh difficult times as you jay so we're not only walking the walk we're talking the talk one of the questions i get all the time is how can i show my support for law enforcement with facebook when you see a post that you agree with that you like share it to your page It's just that simple. Facebook has about 2 billion registered users worldwide, so you can make a difference. And one of the best places to find great posts about law enforcement, our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. Click like and follow. We're going to take a short break. We're talking with Patrick Fitzgibbons. Patrick is a retired law enforcement officer. He retired as a command staff in a department in the Boulder, Colorado area. He's also a podcaster. He's a great podcast called CJ Evolution. You can find it at letradioshow.com. Look for the Be Heard tab, the LET Podcast Network. You'll find it right there. Or just do a Google search for CJ Evolution Podcast. This is Law Enforcement Show. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. We have a new podcast. It's called True Crime Fighters Podcast. Yes, it's another true crime podcast, but a little bit different. There's a huge amount of interest in true crime stories, but very little is told of the heroes that fight horrific crime. Whether it be law enforcement officers or everyday citizens, we tell their stories on the True Crime Fighters Podcast. Do a Google search for True Crime Fighters Podcast. Subscribe today or check us out on Facebook. Do a search for True Crime Fighters. Want to fly somewhere? Looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets? Then call. That's right. Call the low-cost airline travel hotline now for prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. Low-cost airlines has all kinds of cheap travel deals. Fly domestically and save up to 75%. You can even fly internationally and save even more. Yes, fly anywhere in the world and save a lot of money on your plane tickets. We'll even save you money with cheap travel deals on hotels, rental cars, even complete travel packages. So don't book your tickets until you call us first for the absolute cheapest prices on U.S. and international airline tickets and hotels. Call right now for prices so low they can't be published. Travel experts are here 24-7 to help. 
That's 800-451-8603. Radio is and should always be free. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is also a podcast and it is free. Costs you nothing. Do a Google search for Law Enforcement Today podcast or go to letradioshow.com. Click the Be Heard tab and you'll find us right there. Return a conversation with... Patrick Fitzgibbons. I'm John J. Wiley, a retired Baltimore police sergeant, and Patrick is a retired Colorado police commander from an agency in the Boulder, Colorado area. He's also a podcaster, CJ Evolution Podcast. We'll tell you more about how to find that in a bit. One of the things that I've gotten better at, Patrick, to be honest with you, is, is talking about things I've been through for a long time and i use this scenario i'd go to uh, a barbecue or cookout and someone introduced me and said oh jay's he's an ex-cop and that's the one thing i correct people on x in my mind means you were fired or quit and under less than admirable conditions formerly left of your own accord but you served admirably and retired i always tell people i'm not x i'm retired i got hurt and retired but one of the questions they were getting is oh by the way did you ever shoot anybody and you know, I got so angry, I would be rude. And I'd say things like, yes, and then leave. Or I'd say, why would I want to have a conversation about one of the worst moments of my life with a complete stranger over a beer? And they were like, you didn't have to be like that about it. Well, I tell people now. And the reason why I tell people now is I was involved in four shootings in 10 years. The first two, I never fired a shot back because the news media will tell you otherwise. They'll tell you that we randomly shoot multiple times at the slightest provocation. That's not true. It doesn't happen like that. And the last two were long drawn out gunfights and everybody survived, thank God. One of them ended my career. But I can tell you, after the third one, I was vomiting. And I was by no means a rookie. It was an earth-shattering moment, and I can't really describe to civilians what it's like. Yeah, absolutely. I was, I never, I pulled my gun uh, a lot, Jay, but I never fired it in the line of duty. But civilians, you know, I mean, you, you know this, Jay, they, they get what they know, a lot of them, about what we do as police officers through what? Through movies and television shows. And what do people what do they highlight? Well, they highlight, you know, the violence and the police shooting and the chasing the bad guys and the kicking out doors. And that is a very, very small percentage of the law enforcement works. And I've got those questions too. Well, have you ever shoot anybody? No, I'd rather talk my way out of it. I can if I yeah. have to, but I'd rather talk my way out of it if I, if I can. But I think people are just programmed to what they're seeing on Netflix, the movies, television shows. So I was like you. I used to get irritated about that. Now I just kind of laugh and say, no, I mean, come on. That's just movies and, and Hollywood. They just, they can't help that they don't know. Uh, exactly. I've gotten to the point now where my wife, who I met years after retiring from police work, I rarely ever watch American-produced television shows or movies about policing because they get it so wrong. And uh, one of the, the basic examples is the stereotyping of what they do of what police are like. I tend to watch more BBC-produced content about police. But here is a clear-cut example. Hollywood is in love with this concept of if it's a cop with a gun, he's got a semi-automatic, they always cock it 
before they go into a bad situation. <laughs> like people walk around with guns who aren't loaded. You and I both know that's true, and it's not. People think that is what real life is like, and it's not. Well, absolutely, and I'll piggyback on what you said, Jay. Is you know the old shoot the, the bad guy in the arm or the leg. You know, it doesn't work that way. And Siri, you still have people in leadership positions, politicians, they're advocating that law enforcement shoot warning shots or they shoot a suspect in the leg or the arm. And I always say, you know, when I teach, because I teach uh, on the college level, you know, imagine somebody coming at you, you know, not, you know, just running at you. How, how are you going to be able to shoot a knife out of their arm, you know, out of their, their hand? I mean, it's just not realistic, but a lot of people just think that that's the way it should be. Yeah. Well, I, I can just tell you from my own experience, uh, I'm a old revolver cop, and one of the last shootings I was in, <laughs> the, the guy was armed with a Colt 45. He was shooting me. I fired four rounds from my 38 revolver, and I realized that I'm running down the street with no cover, that he was trying to reload, and I, had, I was in a bad situation, and I couldn't tell you what happened. I didn't realize I'd shot him yeah. in the hand. That's why I had problems with it. But I tried talking to a politician about it, because they subsequently afterwards wound up getting semi-automatics. It was about the fear that overcame me that I was totally vulnerable and outgunned. Yeah, absolutely. Most politicians have no idea when it comes to what police officers go through every day. Look, Jay, you and I know that politicians, other people within the media, they sit back, they're armchair quarterback, they dissect every frame of that body camera video. They weren't on the scene. They weren't going through. They didn't see, feel, or hear what the officer was going through. You know, so it's really a disservice when politicians and, and talking heads, without any of the facts, they start jumping their conclusions about what officers' actions they've taken on the street. So how do we change? How do we start getting people to say, this is reality, this is myth, and this is absolute lies. Well, first and foremost, I tell people is, you know, and, and instead of jumping to a, a quick conclusion, we saw this again in Wisconsin shooting. I don't know all the facts. I have a, you know, an idea, I mean, just based on what I saw. But wait until we get all the facts and then come to a conclusion. Look, we just live in a society now where I remember the good old days. Remember, Jay, when you had actually get all the facts together and then come to a conclusion. Look, officers uh, have rights. They have the presumption of innocence if it's criminal. You know, they have all these rights and they should be allowed to have that presumption of innocence. But we live in a society now that it's just a quick reaction, it's just a quick judgment, and sadly, you saw in Atlanta, you have a district attorney that ran very quickly to charge these officers, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens down there. Yeah, I think that uh, they're going to wind up eating a lot of crow on that one in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. District attorney wound up losing the re-election bid and was under yeah. a lot of pressure as well. And I purposely, because people say, well, you're in radio, you're a podcaster, you break down this video. And I tell them I'm not doing it because I wasn't there. And mm-hmm. certain departments don't have body cameras. And certain departments don't have the basic tools of what I think they need. But I don't want to fall in this trap of giving my opinion and spouting off. Because one of the things I do not like, whether police do it or otherwise, is when they say, well, if I was there, I would have done this. Mm-hmm. And I would say, you weren't there. Exactly. So you really don't know what you would have done. Uh, And I don't know what the situation is. And, uh, you know, no police ever wants to lock up another police. But I've been in a position where I had to do it. It wasn't for anything serious like this. But let them investigate. 
and if I say that, then people say you're just covering. Uh, that's that blue line, that blue, blue wall of silence malarkey that we won't tell on each other. Yeah, and that's a misconception. You, you know, I think there's people out there that think we still live in the days of Serpico, uh, where, you know, the entire organization is corrupt and they're getting paid off. Look, that's nonsense. Every man and woman out there that wears a uniform, or 99% of them, Jay, you know, and the listeners know, go out there in a very difficult environment every day. They put everything on the line. Nobody gets up and kisses their wife and kids goodbye and say, I'm going to go out there and shoot somebody and put out everything on the line. It just doesn't work that way. And if you believe that, start unlearning that stuff because that is not reality. The reality is that when those things do happen, they happen very fast. They come out of nowhere. They come when you least expect them. And the consequences mentally are horrifying. But the amount of worry and fear about, am I going to get fired? Am I going to jail? Will I get sued? Will my family lose everything? That alone right there will prevent most people from ever doing anything even slightly shady. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just, unfortunately, it's just, you know, the the world we live in, like I said, I mean, the police officers, brave men and women every day, putting it on the line every day. And instead of some people in the media, a lot of people in the media and some segments of the population, instead of saying, you know, we appreciate you and, you know, it's a difficult job. And, you know, I mean, they just lambast police. and, And I don't know. Uh, I don't agree with them. This whole defund the police. The only thing it hurts, Jay, and you probably know this, it hurts the communities that really right. need the police. The communities at risk, the ones who need the police. The people in gated communities are wealthy. It's not going to affect them. Yeah, I mean, they pe- have private security. Yeah, where can people get more information about your podcast and what you do? Uh, they can go to cjevolution.com. You'll find all my shows. You'll find an ebook that I've uh, written yet last year for first responders called uh, Evolve, and it's free. You can download it, but cjevolution.com is where you can find everything on my social. And by the way, you're also a professor as well. <laughs> yes, sir. Trying to educate the, the next generation of law enforcement professionals. By the way, if you want to reach Patrick, the best thing to do is go to his website, cjevolution.com, correct? Yes, sir. And you're on social media as well. Yeah, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the, the main ones. So you can find it all, all my tabs uh, on the website. Patrick, thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Very much appreciated. Thank you, sir. Keep up the great work. Hey, folks, when you have a chance, check out our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. When you get there, click like and follow. That's click like and follow Law Enforcement Today radio show on Facebook. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today show. We've got another great guest heading your way next week. Don't miss it. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. Bye.